Hello, everybody, and thank you all for tuning in on yet another episode of the Think It Through podcast. Podcast that states there is no truth until you decide what truth is, and we're here to help you think it through. And on today's podcast, I want to get into some of these key races that are happening across the country at the governor's level and at the congressional level. I also want to talk to you all about the Pelosi scandal that is sweeping the nation and the randomness of it all and its implications. And I also would like to talk to you all about our thought process of today, which is where do we go from here? I think you all would like what I have to say today. I had a lot going on these last couple of months, but I've been keeping my ear to these political streets. And I told you all before I come before you when my cup is full, well, baby, my cup is full and I got a lot to talk to you all about. So let's sit back, kick back and let's think it through. right so I have been watching very carefully as to the goings on with this midterm election we are here we are here we are here the country like I told you all since the inception of Joe Biden's presidency I said that America has met her tipping point And even now, almost two years later, we are still within the realm of a crossroads. Before her lies inflation that America must atone for, she must fix. Before her lies a rise in unemployment before her uh, lies an elevated level of crime and before her lies an impending food shortage as I've told you all before when you have issues like this these boil down to what is known as bread and butter issues If people can feel the effects when they go to the store, nine times out of ten, they're going to blame the the, the party that is in power. And they will vote in the opposite direction. Now, since the onset of 2022, coming out of this scamdemic, you have seen people say that there is going to be an impending red wave I am here to tell you that I agree to some extent and that leads me into telling you all the races that I have been looking at and studying and keeping my eye on so let me bring up the races that I have for you all. 
Now we gonna go in alphabetical order. We're talking about gubernatorial to- uh, uh, state races, and we're gonna talk about congressional races. So one <laughs> one that is surprising it, to me is Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs. And you say might say Alicia, now why is that surprising? Because I expected much more of a fight out of Katie Hobbs. Homegirl is getting <laughs> spied on, running into bathrooms and crying and throwing a fit because Project Veritas has caught her uh, at the most inopportune times, her and her team. And this lady just really, she scrambled. One thing is this, if you're going to run for office, you have to know what comes with the territory. And one of the things that comes with the territory that is not specified enough or elaborated upon enough is the ability to think on your feet. If you can't think on your feet, you're going to have a hard time with voters because it does not seem genuine. You can give a coached answer. You can read a script, but when people are voting for you, at least me, I want to know that there's a human connection. I need to feel as though you are relating to the issues. So when I talk to you all about inflation, I talk to you about what's going on internationally. I talk to you all about crime and social justice. I'm coming to you from the realm of, uh, or the notion that I'm living these things. I've come from poverty. I am an African-American, so to say, um, which is a misnomer, but I, I am a mother and I do vote. So when I'm voting for someone, I need to feel like I can relate to you. And if my candidate cannot think on their feet, even in the midst of being ambushed, it says something. If you are in a high profile race, such as a governor, and you have a very a, a, a very aggressive opponent, like a carry like then you and your team should be strategizing on how to go on the offense before she does because that is how Carrie Lake has ran her campaign. She ain't got nothing to lose because she's not the one defending her seat. Sometimes in politics, especially when it's women, you have to come full force because a lot of people will take you, perceive you as a weakling. And Carrie has sniffed that out of Katie, that Katie is weak. So she's doing everything in her power to bring the men in. She's campaigning with Donald Trump. She's campaigning with Blake Masters. I think her and Ron got together. You know, that's my boy. That's my boy. But when you are in a high profile race, especially when you are going to be one of the most important people in the country. You in the top 100, uh, 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 top, uh, what? Uh, 
700 some odd people in the country you have to be on guard and you have to expect a fight and I don't think that Katie has presented herself in the best of life I'm going to say that Carrie might win with a one to two I give her about two points I think that Carrie has what it takes to win um, they are Arizona as a state has already been scrutinized because they have held tightly to Donald Trump. They have supported his claims of a uh, of the election outcome in 2020. So you know they they are already under the gun. But I think that Kerry. Just from her, uh, 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 yeah, Carrie Lake, from her presence, I think that she would have the upper hand over Katie Hobbs. And should Katie Hobbs lose, it is going to be because Katie Hobbs wasn't strong enough. I'm not saying that she should be nasty. I'm not saying that either lady should be nasty. But what I'm saying is, is that when you are caught off guard and you run into a bathroom, rather than you know stand up and defend yourself you know that's not a good look and then when people you know might be out and about and I'm not saying that I approve of people at uh just running up on people in a uh, heckling manner but what I am saying is that when you are in the public and it's high profile it comes with the territory and you should not be alone by yourself. You should not be made to be to feel vulnerable like that. You might be a woman, but you don't have to be weak. And people perceive you as being weak because Carrie Lake, in my opinion, has just been running laps around this lady. Now, will it benefit Carrie? We gonna see, but I do think that if I would say Carrie should win by one to two points. Moving on, um, uh, down in Georgia, we got a rematch between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Now, here's my thing. Let me give you all a full disclosure. Before I started this podcast, and up until 2016, I was voting democratically. And I thought the world of Miss Stacey Abrams, I thought that she was just a media darling. I stood with her when she said she, you know, she went out and she registered these voters and she wanted a fair fight and she talked a good talk. But as their party as a whole has continued to move to the further extremes of the progressive left, I no longer support her. I do not believe in her policies because I don't believe that her policies are conducive to a resolution in in social regards. She is for the transgender movement. She's for the LGBT movement. Some people say that she's one of the members. Uh, however, I just don't think from a policy standpoint that she has what it takes to be an effective governor. Uh, people have scrutinized her legality 
in um, her nonprofit organization for Fair Fight GA, um, which is a problem to me because you all know that I am a nonprofit owner. And so there's a little gray area with her, but um, I, I just can't get with the extremism that is happening in the Democratic Party. I told you all that we were here 10 years ago with the Republican Party. The Republican Party had a Tea Party going on from about 2004 to about 2014, early 2015. These people that were in the Republican Party during that time were very right-wing, and it did cause a problem, and they were walking around here like a chicken with the head cut off. Now, we are witnessing the same thing that has been happening since about 2018 and it has grown exponentially in the midst of COVID where they have all but forgotten their morals and they have just become so far out of touch with people socially that it's a damn shame. That's why the Democratic Party is experiencing the turmoil. And I've also told you that as a nation, we have been at a divide because I, I, if you want a resolution to what's going on, you have to do two things and it's going to be very hard, but I do, or well, three things. I do think it's attainable, but it'll be an uphill battle. And the first thing you got to do is you got to get big money out of politics. If you get big money out of politics, that we can have common sense races, we can have common sense elections. And if you do that, and then you turn around and you get out the extremely old people in both parties, the establishment Republicans and the establishment Democrats, you will have better uh, uh, challengers and or candidates and you will have some of the best competitions this country has ever seen from a neutral standpoint. And lastly, you have to have a constitutional convention. We have to have one. It's been long overdue and the longer we keep on trying to avoid the issue, it is going to cause an even bigger divide. And like the saying goes, a house divided upon itself cannot stand. We will not be standing as a country come 2030. You will have a rise of people renouncing their citizenship in this country and moving elsewhere. We have a lot of work to do. But right now, the hot pulse of the hour is these Democrats imploding upon themselves. That's a hot topic. So I think that Mr. Brian Kemp is going to win by the same uh, margin that he did in 2018. I think that he's going to win by between four and seven point spread. I don't think that he has anything to worry about unless they get uh to doing some funny business. That's what all of the polls show. All of the polls show 
that he has a respectable lead over Mrs. Abrams. Moving on, Florida. We got Charlie Chris against my boy Ron DeSantis. Now, to Charlie's credit, he has been a member of Florida politics for a very long time. He knows how the game is going. I'm not saying that he's bad and or good because I have never really uh, paid attention to him. I've heard of his name, but his his uh, policy and politics is not something that um, that I really particularly care for. Now, he has been in politics for about 30 years now. As a, he is a Democrat. And he is running against my boy. Now, the problem with this whole race is that, <laughs> is that uh, he's going against the incumbent Mr. Ron and Mr. Ron has been on on a tear this man has within 90% 9 times out of 10 all the stuff that Ron has done it's been in the win column he he, he got it it going on he kept Florida open during COVID his economy is booming the employment in uh Florida is relatively uh, good and with this hurricane Ian, how quickly he was able to put back that uh, uh, bridge within 72 hours, you ain't gonna be able to beat it. So I think that he is not gonna win this race, Mr. Charlie Chris. Uh, he would have did better just staying in the uh U.S. representatives as the clerk. He is the clerk for the United States representatives. He should have stayed there. I don't think nobody should be going against Ron DeSantis until he proves that he is not fit for the job. I'm sorry. When you got a kick-ass governor, you stick with him. But because, you know, Democrats, you know, they can't make it look like when we ain't got nobody... They put him up, and he he's not going to win that race. All right, going up to New York, we have Lee Zeldin versus Kathy Hochul. Now, Lee, let me be honest with you. He's just like Charlie Chris. I do not know this man other than he is a congressman. He is a United States congressman. Let me see. Yeah. So, I I just think that people haven't had a chance to really feel him. And by Kathy being the incumbent and being as though we have gone through this national emergency, which has been COVID, uh, they say that it's a toss-up. I think, unfortunately, in this case, I do think that Kathy is going to win again, according to the polls. And the only reason why Lee is going to 
probably lose is because he didn't raise enough money. Now, I do feel for all my listeners that is in New York, you've seen how you've been treated. You saw how you was treated under Cuomo. You've seen how you've been treated under de Blasio. You see how you've been treated now by Miss Kathy Huckle. That's three times. Three times they say three strikes and you out. If I was you all in New York and you participate in the voting process, it is time to go back to community. I tell you this on every uh, every other episode. There's power in your community. It's power in understanding the way a community is supposed to function and what it is supposed to help provide for you. It is time to start organizing and strategizing around brand new candidates. If you're going to have a brand new Republican Party in New York and y'all like Mr. Lee Zeldin, I think that from what I've seen from him, he would make a good governor. I think that he could take uh, take some of the uh, good governance practice of Texas and Florida and South Dakota and Tennessee. I think that he would fit in good with the Republican governors. But if this man is to lose, it is time to start strategizing. You got to find an opposing candidate who is going to make sense. And New York, it has long been a Democratic stronghold. So it's not like it's easy for this man to come and take this seat. Now, had things been different for Mr. Donald Trump, had things been a little bit different because we know that he's from New York City. If if things had been a little bit different, Donald Trump helping Lee as he's tried to here these last few months and as little as a couple of days ago, it would have much of a greater impact. But because of the 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 deep hold that New York has for its Democrats, this is not going to be an easy battle. So, uh, I think it's a toss-up. I think it's a toss-up, but I I do think I do think that uh, Kathy is going to hold on to this seat, unfortunately. But I'm telling you, if you live in New York or you got friends in New York that participate in the voting, uh. Uh, process it's time to reorganize and strategize and it might be in a different party moving on now my congressional races now see this is where the action is happening those those states that I just gave you Arizona, Georgia, Florida, and New York now that's where that action is happening for the governors but the big showdown is in Congress. 
Congress, 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 Congress has been on everybody's mind all year because we knew that this day was going to come and it is finally here. And I'm going to be working the polls, so I'm not going to be able to see anything. But uh, I will say that this is going to be a good one. I was excited about 2018 when they said it was going to be a blue wave. Now we got a red wave that people are projecting and whatnot. So, hey, you know, I'm excited. I always, uh, as an adult, I could tell you that presidential elections are always fun for me. Y'all know I'm a nerd. Uh, but, you know, these midterm elections, they pretty good, too. They shaping up pretty good, too. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, how to come uh, how the country feels. And let's start off back in uh, Arizona. You have Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly, and they're running for United States Senate. Uh, by the polling numbers that I saw, and I am going to tell you what I'm looking at from 538. 538 is a uh, projection uh, website. They do polling, and 538 is sponsored by ABC News. Uh, So, Arizona, they're saying, uh, I don't know too much about Blake Masters. I've heard about him, and I heard that he got his endorsement from Trump. That's about all I heard. Uh, Because they've had a Democratic incumbent. They're saying that Mr. Kelly is probably going to win within about... uh, with about a couple of points. Not not a lot, but by probably a couple of points. Um, they're saying that it might be... Kelly, 49. Masters, 45. So they're giving him a four-point spread. Um, this is going to be interesting because in order to get this red wave, Republicans really do want that. They they want that uh, seat. Um, other polls have Mr. Kelly as high as six points. Um, 51-45 in favor of Kelly. Uh, Emerson College which is usually pretty good uh, they have them even at 48-48% so they say that that's a toss up Civics uh, they're, they're pretty they're alright they got it like a B rating they say it's 49-49 even so you know you don't know but I do think that they're going to say that Kelly is supposed to win and he's probably going to win. He's not going to win as high as six points. I don't think that. But I do I do feel that he might slightly win uh, 52-49. That's, that's how I feel. All right. Now, the hot one. The hot, 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 
hot. This has been the race that everybody's talking about. And that is the race down in Georgia between Walker versus Warnock. And uh, let's see. Let me give you up-to-date information. Now, Walker versus Warnock. This one, I do feel, is going to be a split. I Because the polls for them keep fluctuating. And then you see some of them have them as high as a six-point spread. And then some of them have them, you know, two, three-point spread. I feel as though this might be a toss-up. And they're saying that uh, Walker is due to win just slightly. They say that he is favored to win slightly. Um, And that's because it keeps changing. So I don't know because that's how hot it's been. People form for uh, uh, for both of these candidates, and it seems like the last month or so, like each week, the last four weeks, it's been flipping and flopping. So we really don't know. Um, we really don't know how that's gonna turn out. Um, he is going against Raphael Warnock. Now, the, the reason why I'm not getting with Warnock is because Warnock is a little too progressive for me. And because of that, it's kind of like turned me off. And he really hasn't done anything to me like as a personality. He hasn't really done anything to like stand out to me now Mr. Walker of course he was an athlete and that's all about as much as I care to know about Herschel hopefully uh because of his personality and the way he's been running his ways hopefully he will be someone that'll stand out um he already has a name for himself so hopefully this would translate well um, once he wins, if he if he's due to win, I hope that he makes the most of it. I just don't want to see like I, I see that these races are contested, and they're they're very exciting. I just don't want pe- I just don't want these people to lose that sting, that excitement, because you do so much to campaign and then you win and then it's like, well, what happened? So I hope that it translates well for him, and I do. Uh, I hope that the enthusiasm that people have around this hopeful change in Congress, I hope that it stimulates further, because people get excited about voting, and then don't shit happen once the vote <laughs> comes in. So hopefully, if he's due to win, I think that he it's going to be a toss up, and I I just. I think that Herschel would win with about two points if he does. That's how I feel about that race. Now, we're going to come up here to Ohio where I'm at. All right. We have J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan has been in office for like 22 years. He's He's been in for a very long time, and he's a Democrat. He... 
because I live here in Ohio, I know about Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan is for giving money to Planned Parenthood. He is for open borders. And those two things, we that's a no-no for me. Um, I'm not with that. He wanted to give money to the Ukraine. I'm not with that. That's been a big pet peeve for a lot of people. And I'm one of them. So I definitely think that J.D. Vance is going to win. And I think that J.D. Vance is going to win by about four points. Now, I might be wrong. But this is just me. Um, let's see. Uh, let me go back. I want to give you some polling from 538. And we're going to see uh, how it's looking for J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. They say that J.D. Vance has an 83% chance of winning. And should he, they say that he's going to win probably 52 to 47. 52, about 52%. So, um, I think so. I'm going to say... I don't think that the gap will be as large as five points. I say two, about two points. Uh, I'm wishing J.D. Vance well because he got a lot of heat. Now, here's the thing, y'all. Where I live at, a lot of people are skeptical on J.D. Vance because uh, they try to say that he used to be a Democrat or something like that, or he he didn't want to stand with Trump and whatnot uh but earlier this year he met with trump and all is well do i think people can change yes and can they change for the better yes um i think that he has a lot of proving to do this isn't going to be an easy thing for him the next 12 months is going to say a lot about jd fans because People in Ohio is taking a chance on him out of a very contested Senate class that wanted the same seat that he he is due to receive. So he is not going to have a good time walking in the door because he went up against Jane Timken. Jane Timken was the chairwoman of the Ohio Republican Party. She or or she was in office. Then you have Mike Gibbons. Mike Gibbons is from Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, and he is a businessman. He went against Matt Matt Dolan, uh, Bernie Moreno, uh, Josh Mandel. So there was a hotly contested Senate race in the primaries. And should this young man and JD not perform, a lot of people in Ohio are going to be pissed off. As for Tim Ryan, if you've been in office for 22 years, it's time to go. I don't think that you should sit 
in a seat that long. I, I just, I just, I, I, I'm not someone that would want to do that. I like my freedom. I like to say what I want to say, and I like to go where I want to go. I don't want to sit in the seat that long. If it was me and I was him, and I was an elected official, after about a couple of terms, I want to groom the next person to take my job. I want the I want everybody to have a chance to do this job. I feel as though Congress should be like jury duty. Now, some people, and I've heard the other side of the argument, where they say that's not good because you need something called a continuance of government. I truly understand that, and it makes a lot of sense. However, I just feel as though the longer you sit in a chair, the greater chance you have at corruption. And I don't want nobody to say I did anything, took anything from, you know, I just don't want to be that girl. So, 22 years in one office, I can't do it. I can't justify doing it. Um, now, if you're going to be like a mayor or something like that, that's one thing. I, I, I probably am a little bit biased towards the office of the mayor. But as far as a body politic, a, uh, a legislature... I think that you move around and I, and I really do believe in grooming and mentoring the next generation of civic leaders. That is what my organization is geared towards. I have a love for the youth and cultivating them and trying to train them and help them in any way that I possibly can. I believe in that. I, I And that's why with Tim Ryan, I don't, I don't see how he couldn't have known that he wasn't gonna be uh, primary or or not not primary but challenged. Um, if he did not think that somebody after all of these years was gonna come for his seat, then he he had he had to have been dreaming. But I do think that um, JD Vance is gonna win, and he probably is gonna win about four or five points. So those are the races that I'm most interested in. There are other ones that I really didn't pay attention to. I only gave you these states and these seats because that's what I kept on seeing on my timeline. And I feel as though um, these seats are going to make the impact in the next presidential election. And these are, with the exception of uh, uh, Georgia, Florida, no, no, Georgia and uh, New York, Arizona, Florida, and Ohio have always been swing states. You need a Florida, Arizona, and definitely an Ohio. You need those seats. So I that's why I shared that with you all. But we're gonna we're definitely going to see. So with that, that concludes my 
in uh, my process or thought process for the midterms 2020. Right, and we're back. Some of the things that caught my eye out of all the shenanigans that have happened thus far is this damn Nancy Pelosi and her husband. Now, as I told y'all before, when I see stuff, I sit on it. I don't want to be the first person to break no news and because things happen and things change. The news be changing, so I'm not going to ever break news to you unless it is of critical, critical importance. She ain't that important to me with her her shenanigans and whatnot. They're just not not that important to me. But I wanted to see how this, this situation with her husband would play out. Now, the thing that gets me is just the randomness of it all. Like who, who is, who would break into her house? Who would do that? Shame on who, shame on that man for doing that. Uh, it just begs the question as to, are all of these people, are all of these people in you know, loveless marriages? Like, are they that stressed out? Like, come on. Um, I don't agree with violence at all. At all. I just, I just don't. I don't feel like, uh, well, I don't feel like the, the, the accident or whatever was, uh, Natural. I'll say that. I don't think that it was natural. However, these are some questions that I have in my mind. We know that Nancy is the number three person in this country, let alone the world. Okay? She is an elderly woman. She look good for her age. She got some plastic surgery done. Okay. Everybody do it. Um, but she's not a bad looking older gal. She's just not. But given as though, given being as though she is a high profile lady, you mean to tell me she ain't got no security? There's no security. There's no cameras know nothing and somebody could just run and break into her house and hit her husband let alone touch any hair follicle on her man are you kidding me that's not natural y'all it's not natural I don't I don't I, I that that just don't sit well the fact that this man has been outed as a male prostitute and someone who has abused drugs 
that says a lot. And the fact that they were that this man who attacked her husband had ties to the husband. Come on, y'all know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going with this. This sounds like if we're going to say that this is true, if we're saying that this is true and this is what happened, then you got to tell the truth of how this would have happened. And the truth of the matter is, is that her husband is more interested in, in, in men more so than he is to his own wife. And somebody got high, could have been both of them, got high somebody didn't pay for the services and this man went off and hit Mr. Paul Pelosi there's no other way to cut it there's no other way to think about that you just not gonna randomly come to know heavily guarded cause you know that this would have been heavily guarded there's, there's, there's no absolute there's no way there's just no way so when I see stuff like this, it just makes you think like, damn, what really be going on in these in between the sheets of these people's homes? Because I would feel embarrassed if I'm if I was her. Your husband's dirty laundry is now on the street. And now we can't even get a, a, a real assessment of what the happened because they not cooperating with the damn police. The police is saying that they not going they not they going to redact some more stuff. So, you know, it it, it just I don't know. They thought <laughs> in the grander scheme of things, Democrats once again being Democrats and playing politics thought that they could make the, do something random and people would just jump on board with it. It don't make no sense. It's out of order. And no, ain't nobody really thinking about no damn Paul Pelosi. Let alone thinking about her like that. Ain't nobody thinking about Nancy long enough to try to harm her. We not. We may not have an appetite for her. She may not even be our cup of tea. But there's no way in the world we would think about disrespecting this woman or her family in such a matter. Average people don't think like that. Let alone, are we even going to be in the same room with this woman? This woman is one of the most protected women in the world. So there's no way, no logical way, that anybody could have tried to have harmed her husband other than somebody that was close to him and or knew him. So I, I just, I find the whole story just dumb and bizarre. Um, and a desperate attempt to paint Republicans in a bad light. That's one thing that we got to stop doing. This is one reason why uh, people who say they don't vote and will not vote, they don't vote for the shenanigans like this. People want to vote based upon the issues. People don't want to vote for bullshit. People don't want to do that. People want to clearly and objectively look at what's going on at hand and make a critical decision as to what they think is best. And we as voters shouldn't have to be subject to 
bullshit like that. Like, don't do no false flag type of narrative to get sympathy and support. And that's for both parties. I don't care if this was flipped in reverse and it was Mitch McConnell and somebody did something to his wife. You know, that's just not cool. And it shows a desperate political attempt to, you know, mislead uh, the American public by way of co- coercion. Don't coerce us into voting. Just, just tell us that we need to be voting. Don't, don't, don't. You ain't got to do nothing extra for people. We, we don't, we don't need the the extra shit that be going on with these people. So I, I do feel bad if it did happen. I'm going, I'm going to try to be positive. If this happened to this man the way he says that this has happened, I wish him a speedy recovery. You need to fire the staff that you have because this man was able to come into your house in his tidy whities and hit you upside the head with a goddamn hammer. You know, now all the shit that we need to kick y'all ass on, you elected officials, the shit that we need to kick y'all ass on, we can't kick it because you got security. Can't run you to fade behind you you sitting behind a, a walled fence. Can't can't run you to fade and you on private jets and private islands. But we ain't gonna get into the private islands. We know what y'all be doing on, on private islands. Uh but the shit that we need to kick your ass on, we can't get a hold of you. But this man was able to kick. <laughs> Let alone hit uh, Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. But when we want to kick y'all in the ass about this goddamn inflation, y'all ain't with nowhere to be found. Make it make sense to me. Make it make sense. So, um, yeah, Paul, get better. You know, please leave the prostitutes alone because you is embarrassing your wife. You should have took your wife when you had the chance and you should have went to Florida. You should have said, come on, baby, you did your time. I told y'all this earlier. I said, I said this and I'm going to say it again on this podcast. I said that when you stay longer than you're welcome, God will have a way of humbling you. When she had the chance to leave, when she told the press that she didn't want to be around after 2022 or after 2021 or some shit she said she should have kept it at that she should have went with her first mind this wouldn't have even happened to her because she would be at home in Florida or wherever the hell she said she was going to retire to with her husband keeping an eye on her husband and living the good life I wouldn't stay. Uh, she too old for this. Because that's exactly what the first first thing that I said. I'm not age bashing her. I'm not doing that. But if it was me and my husband, I'm going to have me a good husband to say, no, baby, come on. You need to come home. We need to live out the rest of our golden years together. You don't need to be under that stress. You can sit back and kick your feet up. She ain't got the type of husband that's telling her that. That's a problem. If if you just served 30, 40 years in politics, you already come from a well-to-do, very well-known family. You're not hurting for money. 
What are you doing? Now you done embarrassed yourself. People laughing at you behind your back because how did he get with a, a gay man? A gay man trying to come on. That just that that just don't sound right. So you know the things people will do to get some votes. I I don't ever want somebody vote if I gotta be that damn desperate. I don't want attention like that. I want you to focus on the issue. And if you don't agree with the issues and I'm telling you that I'm the better candidate to resolve some of these issues and you don't want to vote for me, that's on you. But I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to beg you like that. You see what it is. You see that it's a problem. You see that inflation is a problem. You see that security obviously is a problem let alone cyber security and digital warfare is a problem. You see what it is. The problem is, is that we don't talk to each other in a real world kind of way. I'm not about to sit over here and go corporate on you because I ain't, I'm not on nobody's ballot. So I don't have to. I can tell you exactly what I'm telling you the way I'm telling you because you got common sense. That's the, 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 that's a problem. We need to start telling the truth about what's really going on out here. Y'all, it's crazy. You want to treat politics like you got, you like you wearing little kitten gloves. No, it's serious stuff going on out here. And some of these politicians, they don't know they head from their ass. Uh, And that goes for both parties. I, when I saw that story, y'all, my my just my blood my blood started to boil because I could see the writing on the wall that it was some it it was some bullshit in the game going on, and that's that's just what it really is. If y'all gonna get out and vote, get out and vote. For those that don't, I'm not gonna beat you up and say, oh, if you don't vote, then you don't have a right to complain. Uh, because they just been on some goofy shit. Like some some of these races that I refuse to talk about, it's just it's just on some it's just goofy. But where I live at, I gotta vote. Yeah, I gotta vote uh, for county executive. I'm not feeling the one party system that is happening due to people. Um, you know, the Republicans not putting up ca- uh, challengers in the um, local races. But I did give my vote to the opposite party. And I hope that he can win because I don't like, I don't like uni party. We are not a socialist country. This is not this is not China, this is not Russia, this is America. And if we are supposed to have a a balance in, in our party system, then that's just what it's supposed to be. I don't like that it's just one party in power. Not to say that any of these people that are in power is doing a bad job. I would never say that. My mentor is a Democrat. I would never say that. But I'm just saying from a bigger standpoint, 
you want to see balance across the board because balance is what brings out the best in people. It brings out the best in your community. It brings out the best, period. When you have an elected body of uh, elected uh, uh, an elected body of officials, uh, top down, federally, statewide, citywide, countywide. You want to see that being being the norm. And when one party is not at the table, it opens up the door for criticism and it opens up the door for corruption. That's why I said, like, the longer the longer um, you stay in the office, you open yourself up to that. And I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm just not interested in that. I'm not. But I, I, I hope that the county executive that I voted for win. Um, I hope that people where I live at, I hope at least they feel the same way that I do and they get over this whole oh he's a republican oh he that don't matter let me tell you something I'm gonna make this clear to you that party thing when you see it at the federal level right it matters because they're all voting on things that have international implications but when you are at home in your own backyard, those are the people who can immediately affect you. Those people have a greater duty to do the things that are necessary to maintain a cohesive, thriving community. They have much more of an onus because the shit that they do is going to immediately affect you. Their laws, their policy is going to immediately affect you. You cannot escape that. So when you think of politics at the local level, yes, it it, it does have uh, a, a tiny reflection to what's going on nationally. You got a bad president, then that party that whose president it is, yes, you will suffer. But the people that best affect you first is the people that's in your own backyard. But if all of them are in one party, they may be handicapped because I know some, I know. Some of the people that make that make up this this uh, party, they don't necessarily agree, but their hands are tied. They gotta play the game because they own a team. But I don't because I just vote. I, I vote for how I want to vote. But I, it's just so much that I could say. It's so much that I could say. But. I want y'all to know that that shit that just happened to Paul, I wish him well. Don't nobody need to be putting their hands on nobody. Especially in their tidy whities. 
Um, With that, we'll be back and I will give you my thought process of the day. So, in the title of this episode, I ask you all the question of where do we go from here? The reason why I'm asking you all or posing this question to you all is because the last four years we've seen a swing of moving back to conservatorism we've seen a increase in moving to the left we've seen the unhinging of the dollar by these different countries we've seen a lot and we've been exposed to a lot and it's like being on a roller coaster you don't know when you can get off of it So I'm asking you, as I started off this episode by saying, reminding you that America has met her tipping point. Now you've lived under Trump. Now you're living under Biden. Do you like it? Did you like what you had before? Do you like what you have now? Are you comfortable with what's going on now? And as I'm asking you this, I'm asking you to think higher. Don't just think about America and the confines of her jurisdiction, but in a greater sense, in a global sense, are you happy where you are? Because this next class of Congress members is really going to set the tone for the rest of the 2020s. We're on the back end of COVID. We're trying to move forward. You're dealing with an accelerated pace of inflation. You have these billionaires moving into the social realm with the likes of Elon Musk purchasing Twitter finally. You also have Jack Dorsey coming back and saying that he wants to do something called Blue Sky, which I think was the parent company of Twitter, but then turned out to just be something that he owned since he is no longer a part of Twitter. As you look and you see how the BRICS organizations or countries are moving, they've backed their currency with gold. They are putting together together a formidable alliance against NATO. You still have America giving endless amounts of money to the Ukraine. You finally have American troops over in the Ukraine. 
What does it all mean? Now, this is just me. I believe, and I was saying this to someone a day prior to me recording this. I believe that the goal of it all is to finally have a showdown that I have called the East versus the West. You look at the dominant countries that make up the BRICS organization. Those are Eastern countries. You look at the dominant countries who make up NATO. Those are primarily Western countries. You look at where the Eastern countries are trying to move the global society. They are trying to back their currency with gold. They are trying to get themselves out of debt from the American dollar, which is the global reserve currency at the moment. But our global reserve currency, which is the dollar, is not doing so well because she is just, America is just printing herself into debt every day. She's just printing herself into debt where other countries cannot do that. They can't afford to have high amounts of debt because they can't pay it back. So if you can't pay your debt back or you don't want to, then America sanctions you. And by sanctioning you, your grains and how you feed your country now becomes a problem because those countries, look at Jamaica, Jamaica in the early early uh, 1990s, late 1980s, how their government went bankrupt because their goods that they were growing agriculturally used to be just for them. But once they became a part of the World Bank and receiving money from the World Bank and IMF, they wound up going into debt overnight because they could not feed themselves. Same thing has happened into other quote-unquote third world countries. Read the book uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Read it, read it, and read it good. These countries have now figured out that America's dollar is a problem. This is why they organize the BRICS organizations, and that has been a 12-year collaboration in the making. They're just now putting the finishing touches on. What is going to happen once that, that organization goes forth to the World Bank or the IMF and request because it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen in between now and 2024. They're going to go to the IMF and they're going to make a request that either the Russian ruble and or the Chinese yuan, which is more likely going to be the Chinese yuan, they're going to say that they should be in charge of being the global reserve currency because their money is actually worth something. This is why I'm asking you, where do you go from here? You, We have to have competent people representing us because America, as I told you, America is on her way out. Civilizations rise and fall. Great dynasties 
rise and fall. And I believe that America is on the last end of that hoorah of being the fourth Reich. Somebody else is going to step up to the plate. And it's going to be between Russia and China. Um, when you look at our economic outlook our, 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 um, for the next five to ten years, it's not going to be that strong. Of American workers make, working American jobs. Not a good outlook there. If the literacy rate in this country is subpar, what does that say for higher education uh, type of jobs. What does that say to you? We, we, we are, we have done a great disservice to ourselves these last 30 some odd years because we are not competing the way that America knows she can. And this is without exploiting other countries. I'm saying just economically and just job wise we have the necessary means to put forth good jobs and good people in the marketplace but America has decided to outsource her labor to other countries so now when you have this generation coming forth and wanting to find good jobs they're not able to find it because the policies aren't there to help these these uh this generation we've we've gone from a manufacturing society to a service-based society and now this society is turning around and going digital what does that say for a large swath of people how is she going to compete going forward all of that goes into currency how are you raising currency and or revenue? That's going to say a lot. And these other countries are not playing ball with us the way they know they're supposed to. But can you blame them? That that's really that's really interesting. Very interesting. So what I say to you is we got to get serious on holding our people accountable. I tell you all, I say it all the time. First people that you need to uh, contact is your local organizations. You need to be around people who shape public policy. Because that's the only way that you have something tangible to bring forth to public conversation because public conversation leads to things getting done. It seems like it's it's out of our reach, but I'm I'm always trying to be optimistic, optimistic, and I'm gonna always try to give you a a a means to help yourself. This is why I always advocate for community. You need to know where you live at because this is this is an election. You need to know what ward you live in. And ask yourself if the war you live in is as strong as it can be. There are certain things that you need to look for within your community or the war that you live in. You need to look at who is representing you. 
how long they've been representing you. How did they get to that seat? You need to know that. What are some of the policies that they stand for? You got to go beyond the party that they say they represent. You got to go beyond that. Because it's a local seat, you can get into greater research. Because I told y'all before, what goes on in Washington, that's that's out of your that's out of your reach. Once you give your vote, that you gave your vote. But the people that live with you, that live in your city, your county, those are the people that have an impact on you. So know who represents you in and out. Who is your ward leader? Do you have a ward leader? Once you know those two, those things, you, then you need to look to see if there's any social civic organization in your backyard. Become a member. Once you've done your due diligence, become a member. If you can't become a member, Sit in on a public meeting. Sit and watch what goes on. So that you have a greater understanding of what's happening around you. Once you find a civic-based organization, then I want you to look at community partnerships. Who is that organization partnered with? Do you have an NAACP uh, organization in your city? Do you have an urban league or something like that? Because those bigger organizations have lots of smaller partners. Once you do that, ask yourself, Do I have a community development corporation operating in my ward? And if so, do they have a newsletter that I can be a part of? Because if they do, I want to know what's going on in my neighborhood. Because who represents you? Your council person, your ward leader has two, they, they are required. It's like an unwritten rule. They have to have a strong partnership to your community development corporation. Your community development corporation is just that. They are a private, usually a private nonprofit organization that is meant to develop the community. They are supposed to have resources right there, all in one stop shop that's what their basic that's their basic function once you see if there is a community development corporation in your neighborhood then i want you to turn around and find if you have a block club or street club because if you have that then you're going to have an even greater community development corporation your community development corporation is usually the old school way is developed or cultivated out of your street club. So though that's where I was st- once you have 
all of these things in place. Now you can make a best judgment as to who should be representing you. I'm going to say it again. Once you know these things, you will have a good understanding as to who should be representing you. I know for me, I have these things. I know who represents me. I have not one, but three community development corporations where I live at. I told you all, and I've harped in the past, and I'm going to say it again. I do know all my neighbors. And we do have a street club. Even got a street cap. The reason why I always believe in community is because your community has the power to transform your local government. You can't change Washington, but you can change the landscape of your local jurisdiction when you have a strong community. You need to know these key players because if your representative, your elected council person, county person, state representative, if those people don't do the job, you can rally your community behind you to vote them out. See, voting, voting, yes, is an individual thing. But when you're talking about community building, now your vote holds weight when we all vote as a community. When we all can see a problem. Some of these races, like I told you, they're very hotly contested. And only a few thousand votes is going to be the, the, the difference between winning and losing. Can you imagine what that's going to be in your, in your neck of the woods? Now, for my people that don't vote, you're going to say, well, we, we care about our community. We just, don't, we just don't think that voting is the end all be all. And you're right. You're still a part of the community, too. To, to people that don't vote. I always say, give a dollar. Give a dollar or two to credentialed nonprofits. Don't let Black Lives Matter deter you from supporting community organizations. Don't let it do that. Because there's thousands of them that you would never hear of that do good work. Because their job is to do what? Stand in the gap for you on the issues that matter to you. I'm going to play devil's advocate. You're going to say, well, where where are you going with this, Alicia? Where where are you going? Play devil's advocate. You can say what you want about Planned Parenthood. I know how I feel about them. I told y'all how I feel about Planned Parenthood. But guess what? They're an organization 
that is backed by their peers. Okay? We all know what they do is public information. We all know how they got started. But they got a group of people that support them. That means something. So if you got people that can support a Planned Parenthood, no matter what, then you can find a community organization to support as well. You don't necessarily have to vote to make change. That's a, that's a, that's misrepresented when people say that. If you, because you, and I, I'm going to use a group of people to demonstrate this thought process. Look at Asian people. No, I'm not going to beat them up. And no, this ain't going to be no hate speech and none of that. But let me use the Asian community as a, a as a beacon of hope. Asians come into people's community over time. And they get something that's called Asia Town. You know why? Because they spend money together. They put up restaurants, hair salons, nail salons, clothing stores, massage parlors, textile companies, moving companies. They do all the things to create an autonomous, efficient neighborhood. They don't need to vote. They get a few of them that do, but on their own, left to their own devices within a community, they don't bother nobody. You don't even hear from them because they understand how to self-govern themselves. That's the goal. You think they ain't on the ball? On the ball? You've heard me talk about Chinese people at large. You know how I feel. But the ones that live in little Asia town all over the country, they don't bother nobody. They don't have to. They make money by themselves and they spend money within their own group. And they self-govern themselves. That's a community. That's a well-oiled machine. They don't need no help. So when you say to my people that don't vote, you don't have to if you're living in the right community. You can support, and I always say support, support local organizations. It's a thankless job. People overlook them. But they need people like you who may not vote to give them a dollar or two. Because the only time I can see someone saying to a people, you know, you should vote. You say you don't vote. Well, your vote don't. And when you complain, uh, you didn't vote. So your vote or your concerns don't matter. When I see people say that, 
two two others two things pop out in my mind on one hand i can understand why we have that notion of you didn't vote so don't say shit but on the other hand the way that the person that doesn't vote the way they see things is a little bit different you get tired i get you know even myself i get tired of telling people to be smarter to think critically to think higher but then i go back to how do you move within this system how do you conduct yourself within this game you got to know how things work what's the functionality of it so that in the event you become efficient you will know all the things to self-govern yourself but if you don't know how to community deal you don't know how to coalition deal then you need to practice you should vote if you are in the midst of coalition building community building networking you should do that but if you are efficient and you say you don't want to vote support local civic organizations who are going to educate, inspire, and cultivate tomorrow's leaders. Because that's what I do. I want, that's my passion, to cultivate and train and inspire and uplift tomorrow's leaders. Whether they're going to be office seekers or they want to be community activists, whatever have you. My goal is to train up the next generation's leaders and I got to be able to train them on both hands, on both sides they want to play the game and they want to they want to vote they want to do all of that or they want to come on the other side and they want to be self-efficient and have their own business or be exclusive unto themselves they got to know how to do it but they're absolutely at its core. There has to be a community way of thinking. There has to be. Because the better you are informed, the better community you're going to have. You won't have as many problems when you have a community way of thinking. Because you you live in, if you live in America, then you suppose, you, they say you're supposed to say taxes. Notice I said they say you should take you should play taxes i'm not saying that you going to or did or i'm just saying if you're gonna live here then you should you should be able to benefit from what what is being offered what they say they offer america has a has a has a lot of things she's gonna have to get through that she's going to have to think through. And it's going to have international implications. If you see that the Chinese are coming in and putting up police stations under the guise of policing their own people, you got to be cautious of who is representing you. Are they for it? Are the people that's elected for it? You got to know that. Who's sitting on your school boards? Who work at these colleges? 
You need to know that. All of that goes into having a strong community. If you don't say nothing, if you don't say nothing, then then things will get out of hand. You will be moving towards this agenda 2030. If you don't have competent leaders that you can get a hold of at the local level, you damn sure not going to make change in Washington, D.C. It ain't going to happen. Let me tell you something that Republicans believe in wholeheartedly. Let me tell you, let me tell you what they believe in, and this is true. They may have said it loudly, but Democrats believe it too. The way they win races and the way they shape politics by putting people into races is they win at the precinct level. That's one step below your ward level. That's why I asked you to go do research on where you live at. I'm going to say that one more time. Republicans have said, and this is true even for Democrats, the way they win races is at the precinct level. Guess what that, that's, guess what that's a key word for? The community level. That is why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Oh, I, I, I'm letting you know. I, I, I'm not true. I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. I'm telling you. I, I know what I am. I know how I research. I'm telling you that that is that is how they win races. Notice they didn't say they started off at the top. They don't. They don't care for that because it's going to work itself out. They begin the process of strategizing at the precinct level. That is at the community level. Don't nothing move without the community. The only way you can have corruption is when the community is not paying attention. That's the truth. We get tired and things like that and things happen. That's because we're not paying attention. Like I said, if you want to vote, vote. I encourage you to vote. I already did my vote. I voted early in person. I don't trust mail-in ballots. That's just me. I voted early. I encourage you to do the same. But if you don't vote, then damn it, you better find you a small civic community organization that's going to stand in the gap for you and support them. Because where we're going from here, oh baby, it's going to be a time. Donald still ain't over 2020. Biden said that he he uh, he's showing y'all he ain't leaving without a fight. It, it, we, we are in for a ride. The divide has never been greater. And like I said before, The great saying in all of politics is that a house divided upon itself cannot stand. Do you think we're going to be standing much longer as a country? Well, we're going to find out come come Tuesday what what next step we taking. So with that, I thank you all for tuning in. I will be around. I'm always keeping my nose to the the, the political streets. I thank you all for supporting this podcast. Please, 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 please. I don't ask much of you, 
But I am asking you to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tune in so that together we can think it through. Thank you.